This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, in last week's show, which we recorded like three and a half minutes ago, we, we closed by talking about schedules. And in between recording, you happened to mention that it's time for the kids to go back to school. So does that when that happens, does your scheduling work more smoothly? Do you have those longer periods of time without interruption that you mentioned last week? Yes, and it is amazing. It feels like being able to catch my breath. And um, it's still getting started, and now I'm off and away for BaoshaCon, and I'm going to lose the first two weeks, essentially, because I'm backing right up to Labor Day, and then, you know, I'm going to lose the first two weeks of September. But then hopefully, hopefully, all will be smooth until the holidays hit. So we'll see how much I can get my brain back engaged and productive and the more productive I am, the more happy I am, because I feel like I'm actually accomplishing something with my life. <laughs> and you have, over the course of the last, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 episodes, whenever you talk about the book, it's like, it's it's been a struggle. It's such a struggle. It's harder than it's ever been for me before. And I don't know if it's just that my brain doesn't have the clarity that it once did, or if it's just that I... I'm struggling to make the words, but I've spent the last three to four weeks working on the same three chapter segment. Um, and it, it does improve and it gets better, but I've rewritten it so many times because I can't get it to do what I feel it needs to do. And I can't move forward even on first draft material because so much of what I'm building out now is that, that deep character motivation that drives their actions moving forward. So I know the actions that are coming, but I have to build a layer beneath those actions so they don't feel forced or feel contrived that the story is driving the character. I need to make it that the character is driving the story. And so it's just been... It's very painful, um, emotionally, mentally painful to work at something that much and feel that it's not right and want to scrap it and start over. But you can't because you don't have time. I'm behind. I'm so far behind. I'm supposed to be finished with the first draft already, and I'm not. And it's really easy to start hating myself and feeling like a failure and dumb and incapable. And I know I'm not any of those things, but it's hard to remember that I'm not any of those things when I'm in the throes of the suck. And this is, you're, you're basically talking about 
building out the story. Our topic today is it kind of ties into what we're talking about, and I thought for a while you were going to go in that direction, and I was thinking, wow, this is a fantastic segue, but it, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't go in that direction. I was thinking you had graduated to podcaster, um, I don't know, like level 9.9A. The, I just, you know, every once in a while I make a mistake and it just looks awesome. <laughs> this is one of those. <laughs> so this week's topic is the difference between beautiful prose and whatever the opposite of beautiful prose is. And we know what Taylor likes to to write she, what she likes the end result to be? Nay, nay. What Taylor's OCD insists upon. Okay, though. all right. <laughs> but it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting idea. When I, was, when I was considering this, I've spoken to you often enough, and we've talked about this kind of thing often enough on the podcast, that I know how much time goes into your books to get them exactly the way you want them to be, or to get them to be as good as they can be under the time constraints that you have, because if there weren't time constraints, you might never finish. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But if you had to do it all over, if you were advising someone else, would you point them in the direction of beautiful prose or something else? Well, it all goes back to what does the person want. Um, you know, we've talked about that before in different contexts. What does success mean to you? Why are you doing this? And, you know, literary writers are those who craft the most beautiful, beautiful, beautifulest prose. But for the most part, they don't have that many people buying their books relative to, like, say, pulp thrillers, right? Mm -hmm. So when someone goes into this writing life, it depends so much on what they want out of it. Do they want the accolades of academia and other writers to just gush over how wonderful their writing is, but they don't really care about book sales? Or do they just want to make a living as a working writer? Or, you know, what what is it they're after? Because while you can have amazing prose and also write a commercial story, thriller, mystery, whatever, the two don't typically run hand in hand just because of the time that it takes to craft that prose and the fact that most people who are reading commercial fiction just really don't care about it as much as those who do, you know, who are really all about the words versus about the story. So you can have a story that's very, very well and beautifully written, but the beautiful writing is more of a bonus. And most of the people who are picking up that book are going to be picking up for the story, not for the writing. So you got to ask yourself, is it worth it, you know, to, worth the extra time? And it, it boils down to what's important to you. What do you want to do? When you hear about people who are able to write really quickly, do you, like a lot of people, um, just think it can't be that good? Or 
what what is your thinking when you hear of, about these people who are tr- traditionally published authors who are putting out four books a year? I don't know if dichotomy is the right word for it, but on the one hand, I'm envious, incredibly envious. On the other, it's very rare for me to read a book like that and think, oh my God, this is awesome. But at the same time, I'm also aware that my version of awesome is not the everyday reader's version of awesome. And that's not to say like, oh, I'm so much better than everybody else. It's like, let's say you're a carpenter, right? A master craftsman carpenter. And you understand woodworking in a way that very few people do. And you go into a home furniture store and you see mass-produced furniture. Now, you could produce something like that mass-produced furniture but a bazillion times better for, you know, 10 times the cost. Very few people relative to the furniture market can afford what you can create. And you have your your market, but you go into a furniture store and you can see the difference between this mass-produced furniture and what you create. But the average furniture shopper goes in there And they can't really tell the difference because it's not like they're buying cheap furniture. They're buying quality furniture from a mass quality mass produced furniture. So you as the carpenter, the craftsman might just roll your eyes and go, I wouldn't have that in my house. But you are looking at it from the wrong perspective because most people couldn't afford what you what you create. But this is beautiful and it's functional and it's what they need and it makes them happy. So it's kind of similar with writing is as you get better at it, you start to see um, the you can see the difference between what's written very quickly and what's written with a lot of time and care taking over the words, uh, care taken over the words. But that doesn't mean that it's a better story. It doesn't mean that it's, it serves the audience better. It just means that someone took that much greater care over the words and it took them that much longer to write it. So we can ooh and ah over that masterfully crafted table but we can't afford it or we can't put it in our own house. So it doesn't serve the purpose for what we as the mass audience need. And so that's kind of the difference when I say, oh, I haven't seen any of those books who are written, you know, four or five books a year written really well. Well, that's to my standards and my standards are crap in that sense. They're like, don't follow my standards. (laughs) If the reading public is eating them up, well, that's the standard that you need to abide by. The master craftsman could be a starving artist for all we know because he can't sell enough tables to, you know, live, whereas the furniture, uh, mass-produced furniture company is banking it, you know? So it's it's really hard to do an apples-to-apples comparison, which is why I feel, I truly feel envy for people who are able to produce those many stories and have an audience who can't wait for the next book. I would trade being able to write beautiful prose for that any day because 
I didn't set out to create beautiful prose. I set out to be a storyteller. And if beautiful prose is getting in the way of me telling really good stories, well, that's not really where I wanted to go in the first place. It's a handicap. So there we go. You know, as you were talking about this, we've we've talked about this topic. It, we've kind of beat around it in, in other shows, but I... The way you were describing the beautifully crafted furniture, I was thinking about wine, the difference between expensive wine and two-buck chuck, uh, the difference between expensive, expensive clothing and less expensive clothing, the difference between a $80,000 car and a $20,000 car. It's, you can get in the car and you can go places and you can, you can do the same things, it, but it always – in my mind, it always gets back to the same thing, the – the author who wants to create something that's better, that's not mass-produced, that has this level of quality, is not allowed to sell their book for more than the person who's producing four books a year. The, this is true. I mean, it's bizarre. you do get – you do get it with like you know traditionally priced books versus yes, but I'm um, talking I'm, I'm talking books, just but... traditionally published. You know the the person I mean, who does four, they're all twenty six ninety five. The person who does one, maybe it's twenty eight ninety five. Right. Well, I mean, and we've talked about it before. That's where Patreon comes mm-hmm. in. Um, that's when those who actually really appreciate the craft, even though the sticker price doesn't isn't anymore, they go, oh well, I realize that you actually produce something that's you know has artistry to it and craft so here's more to show you that i actually think it's worth more than what i'm being charged for it's a little bit different reverse kind of psychology there but it i mean in that in our market you're right you know but the thing is is that you know just because a book is better written doesn't mean it's a better story and people are buying it for the story and so you know uh, what are you gonna do yeah it's it's an iffy situation and i Another thing that popped into my mind when you were talking um, was the idea of movies and popular movies versus award-winning movies. And yeah. I like to think of myself that doesn't uh, as someone who doesn't like schlocky movies because I, I don't know it's just the way I like to feel about myself. The truth is I do like schlocky movies. <laughs> don't we? <laughs> and all? every so often I'll see I'll see a movie that's getting these fantastic reviews and it's nominated for an Academy Award or it won an Academy Award for some obscure thing, and I go get it or I go see the movie and I'm like, this is awful. How could anyone sit for two hours and watch this thing and and come it's out of it and say sucks. it was good? It's because they're, you know, it's again, is it artistry or is it story, right? You know, and we... Or is it, what do you want out of the story? And it's like, for me, I like to feel things and I don't like to feel horror or, or, oh my God, I can't believe all these terrible things are happening to this person or, I mean, just that kind of thing. I like to feel good when I'm watching a movie or reading a book. Right. So back to the the back to issue the topic. Of, you know, prose, prose. Of, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm I I see where you're coming from this, and it's a really good analogy. And so back to the issue of prose versus whatever the opposite of it is. Is you know, very few people go see the artsy movies just because they want to see the art in the movie. 
most most of us go see movies because we want the story, we want the characters, we want to feel something, right? It's the same exact thing in in writing. And, you know, all the most beautiful prose in the world isn't going to make your story any better. So you want to get it to a certain level where people aren't hiccuping over every word. And and here's the thing, you know, I have seen best-selling books that are terribly written enough that I would not finish them. Like the writing is so jarring to me. The voice, the writing, the style, the the word manipulation is so jarring that I could not finish the book. And yet I have heard from fans of mine who love my work how amazing those stories are. So how important is prose, really? Well, then let's spin it around. How important is prose to you? Well, too important. <laughs> <laughs> too important. Um, and, and like I've said before, if I, if I could trade it, I yeah, would. Yeah, but you, and you could, but you won't. No, I've tried. I've tried um, to write fast and not care. And... It's like saying to somebody who has OCD, you could stop turning that handle or overwashing mm. your hands, but you won't. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. it's not a choice, it's a compulsion. And if I could find a way to let it go and be okay with me, I would. But my brain doesn't work that way and it's so frustrating. All right, let's take the opposite approach. We have we, I, I won't speak for you because you don't read a lot of indie published books, but I read a lot of indie published books and uh, lots of times I'll read things just because it, it is in a genre that I really like. I really like the subgenre, sub, sub, subgenre of mysteries and thrillers that take place in South Florida. So right. I don't yes. have to know the author. I don't have to know whether the story's any good or not. I don't, I, I don't have to know anything. The cover can be terrible. If someone says a body fell out of a boat on Marco Island, I'm there. I want to read this book. <laughs> okay. And so I'll start reading the book, and I'll go, oh, my God, this is horrible. I mean, how, could someone, how could someone decide that this is good enough? And so that's the flip side of the argument. There's the worrying about it until it's perfect stage. And then the flip side is, hey, this was kind of fun writing a book. I'm going to publish this. Right. Now, we have to go back to the question, though. What was that author's goal? If all they wanted to do was publish a book and be done with Mm -hmm. it, and they're having a rip-roaring time while doing it, and they don't care if they ever become commercially successful. They don't care if people make fun of them for the writing. They don't care about any of that stuff. Then they have accomplished what they set out to do and good on them. Um, and so I'm thinking now of our, our own audience mm-hmm. here at the Taylor Stevens show. Well, obviously people who are listening to these podcasts are listening because they want to improve their writing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I start to think, well, what are some of the, um, fears or nervousness that that people go through when they're 
writing that first book or they're trying to improve what they've already written. They're trying to get better. And, you know, there's that that sense that we we have inside each of us of, you know, is am I good enough? You know, is this good enough? And I will flat out tell you, no, it's not, because it doesn't matter how high you go or how far you achieve or how masterful your craft, there is always going to be somebody out there who is better or who makes fun of you and thinks you're stupid or, you know, you're never going to get to that point where you're not being criticized. You're not being shamed for thinking you were okay putting it out in like in that form. Then there's like, well, is it good enough to be accepted by an agent? Is it good enough to be accepted by an editor? And that's just so, it's capricious. It's, it, you just don't know one day to the next what's good enough for them. I have uh, seen published books that started off so bad that I don't know how the book got agented. I don't know how an editor took that book. They saw something in it that felt it was different, it was new, it was a, a different take on life, and they were able to help the the author get it passable. And I don't know how well the books have done, but, you know, I've seen that happen. And then I've seen authors who are amazing, just blow me out of the water with their ability to write and make me so insanely jealous that I wish that I was them that can't get anything sold. So even this thing of, is it good enough for traditional publishing is not a fair yardstick to measure you by because in that sense, yes, yes, it is good enough. Like, no, you will never be good enough. And yes, you already are good enough. So whether you're when you're trying to improve your craft, who are you trying to improve it for? Are you trying to improve it for yourself to make you a stronger, better writer, to create a wider audience for you so that more people want to buy your books? Then awesome. Keep going. If you're doing it because you're, you've gotten a lot of uh, feedback or criticism that this book just was poorly written, well, then you haven't, you haven't gotten to the stage yet where you're able to reach a wide enough audience that you, you can get too fancy and you can be not fancy enough and you might still be in the not fancy enough stage. So yes, keep improving, but prose for prose's sake is worthless if you don't have a good story to back it up. And story is what matters. Characters is what matters. So if I could go back and somehow rewire my brain to come up with these amazing characters and amazing, uh, storylines and have just enough writing ability to pull it off so that people wanted to read it and enjoyed it and felt that it was worth their time, enough people, then I would totally trade that for, oh my God, she's just a master of craft and, you know, sparse prose and all that stuff. Like it, the, the accolades are nice. Having people compliment you is nice. But I swear to you, there are going to be people out there who are like, this author does not know what she's doing. She can't string two words together. She's whatever. I'm never going to make everybody love me. So I would much rather have a less well-written book with 
way better stories and and a rabid fan base than only be able to put out a book a year, a book every year and a half, or, well, it's been three years since the last one. So, it, it, but that's because that's what matters to me. My, I never, like I said earlier, never set out to be some amazing writer. I just wanted to tell stories. And now the writing is getting in the way of stories. So if you are listening to this thinking, yeah, but, you know, I just, need to get better. Okay, fine. You know, that's great. I'm, we're, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're on this journey with us. Just don't let this panic or this sense of doubt get in the way of you not being good enough as far as the words on the page go. Get your characters down. Feel your characters. Know them. Know, their, know what makes their hearts beat. Know what makes them afraid. Know what they hate. Know what they love. And know how that works with your story, and you're good enough. Wow. <laughs> that was great. Now I'm going to go ball my eyes <laughs> This went in a direction that I wasn't expecting it to go, but that was really I, – I love the ending. I was just like – I felt like I was just absorbing everything that you were saying, and then you were done. It's like, oh, I have to say something. Yeah. Now, actually, you have to finish writing your book, Steve. I'm putting that out there on air. You need to finish writing your book. I know. I do. I do. And we will not be talking about that in next week's episode of The Taylor <laughs> Stevens Show. When we will be back in your ear next Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for listening and being, as Taylor said, being on this journey with us. Thanks for being here and looking forward to being in your ear next week.